0: I think sometimes we follow paths for so long just because it's what we've always like talked about. And that was me. Like everybody knew I loved music. Everybody knew I wanted to do it. My parents have always been really supportive. And you know, at that point they had like invested a lot in me. And it was like scary to think of not doing that thing or going after that dream anymore.
1: Hello and welcome to All of the Above, I'm James Brown, thanks for joining me. You can check out my work at jamesbrowntv.substack.com, and of course, like, share, and subscribe anywhere you're watching or reading, it really helps the show. One of my favorite things to do, as regular viewers know, is to learn about people who do unique work, like today's guest, Mackenzie Reed. Hey, Mackenzie.
0: Hello, thanks for having me
1: you can read her novel the rosewood hunt starting on halloween correct
0: yes it'll give that day
1: it's a young adult novel
0: it is yeah it's recommended like 13 and up but kind of to every person's discretion
1: when you say uh, what, what distinguishes a novel from young adult novel from a younger novel and an older novel? Well, help me understand.
0: Sure. So a lot of times it depends on the structure. Um, young adult novels tend to be a little bit chunkier than, say, middle grade, which would be kind of the um, age group below. And then you have chapter books and then picture books. And then you have even um, I forgot, I think they're called like cardboard picture books. So young adult is just typically you have your protagonists, which usually are within the ages of like 13 to 18. Sometimes we see that older, sometimes we see it a little bit younger, but that is usually what characterizes it because it depends on the voice. And my, so my main character, Lily Rosewood, for instance, she starts the book at 17. She just finished junior year of high school. So it really like neatly nestles into that young adult category. And it's also kind of a, you know, coming of age, figuring out who you are, where you belong in the world type of book, while also being a young adult thriller, kind of pack it all in there. So those are all really common young adult themes as well.
1: Were you a fan of this uh, uh, genre? Is that how I found you?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. I probably started, I've always been a really big reader, but I want to say I got really into young adult when I was probably in like fourth or fifth grade. So again, back then I was like 11. So started a little bit early. Like I said, it really just depends on who you are. You know, and as an adult, I still read young adult and middle grade all the time. And I just knew when I started writing books, I didn't know about like young adult and middle grade. I just knew I liked to read and write. And then once I kind of started finding my voice and figuring out what characters I wanted to write, that's when it became pretty apparent that at least for now, I really gel well with like the YA voice. How old are you? I'm 25. Wow, not not too far from there. <laughs> at
1: least when I started. So, from learning about young adult work and at 11 to 25, this is your first fully published book, correct?
0: Yes. Yep. My first one to make it all the way.
1: Well, let's. That's an interesting phrasing. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> Because, because uh, that, that's actually something I had planned in a, in a little bit. But let's let's okay. let's back up. So you're enjoying okay. them. Do you remember your first ones that you enjoyed? Oh,
0: I remember. So I will say, I think the first book that got me into reading was firmly middle grade, and it was The Sisters Grimm. Um, and I know, like, if you went to Barnes and Noble today, it would be in the middle grade section. But I think the first young adult book that I really connected with was called The Mediator Series, and it was by Meg Cabot, who actually wrote The Princess Diaries, ah. but I hadn't even read Price's Diaries back then. I started with The Mediator Series, and it was about a girl who, it took place in, you know, present day, but it was about a girl who could see and speak to ghosts. And she ends up falling in love with one. But then it was also just kind of, you know, Meg Cabot has a very like wrong kong voice. So it was kind of funny. There was always a mystery. So that kind of got me into mysteries too. And I just like tore through those books. And I don't ever since then, I just got really into reading. And then eventually I was like, hmm, I guess I'll try writing books as well.
1: You're tearing through these books, over, or is this over a period of months, years?
0: It was tough to remember. There were six books in that series, and I'm—I will say I'm a pretty slow reader, but I probably finished the whole series in maybe two months. And then from there on, I just had to like keep visiting the library. I've always spent a lot of time at as a Noble and local bookstores, and it just like really set me up to being not a fast reader, but a big reader.
1: And help me with the transformation from I really enjoy this stuff to I wanna make this stuff. W- walk me through how that happened.
0: It's so funny, cause I don't even know if I can pinpoint like a time because when I was younger, I was really into music and really into writing songs and i used to write a lot of songs and then i've always been a very like visual person and cinematic like i always have you know movies play in my head so i'd have these little like cut scenes from my favorite books in my head and then i would kind of just run with them so i'd be using their characters and um, I got really into like reading fan fiction for a while, which is when people, you know, take their favorite books and then they kind of just do complete spinoff things with them. And then after getting into that, I just started like coming up with my own characters, but then they would just live in my head. And then I got to the point where I could not like keep them in my head. And I very, this I do remember distinctly. I was in middle school. And I was in class and I was always a pretty good student, but I did like have trouble paying attention. And thankfully, my teacher was very kind because I would sit in the back of class and I had a notebook and I had just started writing this book. Um, it was a portal fantasy, it was just very, you know, it was basically like fan fiction of my life, but me wishing I could like go into a fantasy world. And I spent you know practically every class kind of writing in the back i don't recommend it i'm not saying you should like go you know write during class but i think that was the first time where i started writing something original and then i kind of forgot throughout high school because i got busy and then when i got to college i decided to try and take it a little bit more seriously and that's when i started like churning out book books and you know exploring traditional publishing and getting a little more involved
1: let's roll back a little bit fan fiction of your life
0: (laughs) kind of it was it's funny like at the time it was you know a different character or whatever but looking back at my 12 year old self i knew who she was and i you know had created a character who was on a swim team i was on a swim team who you know went to uh you know this school and that was kind of like my school and you know I lacked originality back (laughs) but I think that's kind of how a lot of people start whether it's their own life or you know like I said writing fan fiction for other books it's a really good place to kind of launch yourself where you have some building blocks already but then you start filling in the gaps
1: and as you're you're getting into this, are you still songwriting, or uh, in in what kind of songwriting?
0: I I guess I'm going even no. I used to just write with guitar, and I've always been really inspired by like Taylor Swift and you know artists like that. And I did write a lot throughout high school, and then that was kind of pivotal to my writing journey because I um, I went to Nazareth College. And when I applied, I wanted to be in their music business program, which like had songwriter as a career. And I was telling you before I understood like what being a songwriter entailed, which was like going out to California in some cases and, um, you know, being a performer sometimes. And it was stuff I didn't actually want. But at the time, it was kind of all I knew. So I would write a lot of songs. My freshman year of college, I was really focused on that path. And then I got a couple rejections, like back to back in the music program. And it really forced me to like reevaluate and be like, okay, maybe this career path isn't for me. I think sometimes we follow paths for so long just because it's what we've always like talked about. And that was me. Like everybody knew I loved music, everybody knew I wanted to do it. My parents have always been really supportive. And, you know, at that point, they had like invested a lot in me. And it was, like, scary to think of not doing that thing or going after that dream anymore. But I did switch majors. I switched to communications and media. It allowed me to take my writing more seriously. And then by sophomore year of college, I had a class and my professor, um, Leah Stacy, she had, like, taken me aside or written on a little piece I wrote and was like, have you ever thought about trying to get published? And that kind of really jump-started my career because I was like, oh, like maybe there is more I'm good at than just writing songs.
1: you said rejections from the music program. So were you, were you auditioning? Were? Yeah. Okay. That had to be yeah.
0: tough. I had, so I had auditioned for it and then it was very like, strange. I got into the school. I got into the program in all aspects, except for like, literally, like I had the schedule with all the same students. Um, I was taking all music classes for the most part. And then the, uh, basically they had said like, okay, you have to like re-audition again in the winter after you do a semester of these classes. So I was like, okay, great. And I did. And then I didn't get it. (laughs) And I was like, oh, well, to not get in twice, I feel like that's a sign. Because they were like, oh, you can re-audition again in the spring. And I was like, I'm okay. I stayed at NAS, and I had a really good time there. But, yeah, it was kind of a needed wake-up call, I think.
1: And it set up your transition, um, and which which happens because of the encouragement of a teacher.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: And uh, th- that those initial pieces... What were they that 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 sort of drew drew her in that made her believe in well the skeleton of of what you've created so far?
0: And I don't even totally know because it wasn't like I was writing books in that class. It was actually a feature writing class, so a little bit uh, more, I don't know, journalism based, I guess. Um, but the piece we wrote was the you know moderate love the New York Times. Mm-hmm article it was basically we had to write a piece like that and I did and which you know those are non-fiction so that is also out of my realm because I very much write fiction but I did and she just yeah really, really liked it and it's funny because like I said it's not like that was a book and I was working on a book at that time so it wasn't even like it was the same thing but just knowing that like the potential was there in my head I was like okay well if I could maybe get published in this, which I didn't, by the way, I did submit it to Modern Love and it did get rejected, but I was like, oh, if I could get published in this, maybe I can published in this.
1: I was rejected from Modern Love. I know, I swear, I I know eight, nine other people, people who have been, become accomplished journalists. <laughs> I, I, I know one Emmy winner.
0: <laughs> but, yeah i i'm gonna take it personal okay, I <laughs> and it's what it is
1: they're all they're very persickety about mm-hmm. modern love so and, and i'm sure they get tons and tons of applications
0: mm-hmm. yeah definitely i remember it was i had kind of forgotten about it by the time i got the reduction and i was like oh oh okay
1: do you remember this story
0: I do a little bit i uh I had written it about I had just gotten into my first relationship uh with my boyfriend who I'm still with actually, and we met at Nazareth and it was we were like two months in, not even. We were a month in and uh it was right after Valentine's Day. and I remember being very nervous about being like in such a new relationship and if it was weird to like, Get things with hearts or like get things that said love because you know we weren't there yet. Um, and it was just kind of all about that.
1: And after you, yeah, you, you, uh, you, you get rejected from modern love, Leah says, Hey, like you, you really got something here. I like whether it's your sentence structure or whatever it is that drew her in. What Mm -hmm. did you start? toying with
0: well so i had started writing so remember that portal fantasy that i started back in like seventh grade i that was all in the notebook kind of forgot but the bones were there and now that i was older i was like okay i know how to make this something more original so throughout college and actually getting rejected from the music program was huge because I spent so much time practicing for like piano class and all these classes that I didn't have a lot of time to write and then once I would like let that dream go I had so much time to write like between that and being with friends it freed up a lot so I just started working on that book and basically throughout my next three years of college I wrote a trilogy in that world wow and yeah and i just kept going like i didn't stop after book one i wasn't like oh i should maybe like edit this or, you know maybe i look into publishing now nope i just had it all in my head and i needed to get it out and it was you know it got bigger with each book like the world's expanded and everything so i finished that trilogy um let's see it was probably like the middle of my junior year. And then at that point I had already had, you know, Leah's class where she said, you know, have you considered this? And at that point I had my parents behind me being like, are you going to do anything with this? Um, and that's when I started, you know, looking into publishing. <laughs> it wasn't until I finished it actually.
1: So this is a uh, 19, 20, age wise? Oh, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was about, yep. I I definitely started it when I was like 18. Okay. And I'd say I finished all of the first drafts um around 2021. 20, and I actually remember because I was the end of my sophomore year, I went to Italy um for like a study abroad. And I was in Bologna. And when I was there, one of my roommates had a book called Red Queen, which is by Victoria Agard. And I opened that book. I read it. I loved it. It was also a fantasy. And when I looked in the back, it said she wrote her book right after college. And I think for some reason I had it in my head, I was too young to get published. I was like, oh, I'm just like, you know, there nobody's going to publish me like while I'm in college, or, which is so untrue because now they are people way younger than me with books coming out but anyway at the time I thought I just didn't even think it was worth pursuing but when I saw her bio that said she wrote it in college I was like oh okay maybe I can too and that book was actually also published by Harper Teen so it kind of came full circle
1: (laughs) so you have a professor behind you your parents are behind you is anyone any out one saying, hey, what, what the hell are you doing?
0: <laughs> I think I, even though my professor knew, even though my parents do, I was still pretty secretive about it. Not because I was embarrassed, but I think I had been so loud and proud about the music dream. Mm. And then, you know, not that I was embarrassed how that ended either, but I think I wanted to hold this dream a little closer to my heart just in case, like, people... You know, got, you know, I didn't want to look like I was just flying from one thing to the next. But I do remember that I had somebody who had said I think to my parents, like, just something about how, you know, they didn't really see writing as a career. And it it was all a joke. It wasn't, you know, meant to be like, mean or angry or anything. But that really sat with me because I just never looked at it like it couldn't be a career. And yeah, that was kind of my... No, nah, I wouldn't say my motivator because I am definitely motivated by how I love doing it genuinely. But I do also like, you know, a little bit of proving people wrong too. Yeah, it, it,
1: it's it's amazing because I, I, I'm just thinking of myself at a similar age. And I'm just... It's amazing how much... We think about things like that, like how how permanent we think things are.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: That you were yeah. you were concerned, even though you had this other thing where 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 folks around you like are encouraging you, you I, you love doing it, but you're still concerned about this thing that I'm sure you enjoyed, but it just wasn't working out. I mean, it, it's it, it mm-hmm. just I find it so interesting that. And so human that, um, that we all think that like, oh, we can't just, we can't pivot. We can't adjust.
0: Yes. I remember thinking that too, when it came to changing my major and it seemed like such like when you're a senior in high school and you think you need to find a major, it's like such a big deal. You think like, this is what I'm doing the rest of my life. And then, you know, that I had to change my major and- they realize everybody is changing their major. yes I don't you know if you're if you're going into college don't get freaked out or anything but I just feel like we forget how well we can adapt and we forget that change isn't always bad and it certainly wasn't for me and you know people even change their careers a bunch throughout their life so I I think that's a great point though see that we forget we can pivot
1: so you've written at this point, you're you're late in college, you're you're a junior and you've written a trilogy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you're, and it seems like from that moment in Italy, you decided that you're gonna try to publish these babies.
0: I guess so. Give it my best shot.
1: What was the best shot? What was the process like?
0: So it was a long process learning about traditional publishing. Um, So there's traditional publishing and self-publishing. And honestly, like both are valid. Both have their pros and cons. The reason I went traditional is just because that was what I knew. Like all the books I read growing up were mostly traditional. That was kind of what I had started learning about from the get-go. So I felt like I could maybe... Have a little bit more to stand on. Whereas if I was gonna go self-publishing, I'd have to start from the ground up with, you know, teaching myself. And um basically I got really into like the online writing community, which at the time was very active on Twitter. And that's where I learned everything. I met friends, I learned about querying, which in traditional publishing, you usually need a literary agent before you can um they call it put your book on submission to editors at publishing houses and that is really to protect you because a good literary agent is going to be like the middleman they're going to negotiate for you they're going to you know vouch for you they really have your best interests in mind so i knew before i could even think about my book getting on shelves i had to find the literary agent. Um, and querying is when you're like pitching your book, usually via email or an online form. And then you just kind of sit and wait and hope that they are into it. Because if they are, then they'll request more work from you and they usually want to see like the whole thing. And then if they read it and they like it or they have a vision for it, they hopefully offer to represent you. So that was the beginning. <laughs>
1: that so uh, so i i I get the the picture of traditional publishing you are you you you're working your way up to get an intermediary to get someone to work on your behalf at the publishing house
0: yeah yeah exactly um that's basically it it's almost like you have to we always say the goalposts are moving and that's because you finish a book you added a book then you find an agent to represent the book. Then you put the book on submission. Then hopefully an editor offers on the book. Then you have to edit the book again. Like it just kind of keeps going.
1: So at how quickly do you get from this midpoint of your junior year of college, which is, you know, even wow, to
0: yeah,
1: right. to someone at a publishing house saying, Hey, I'll work with this person.
0: So it took, I feel like looking back, it probably looks short. Um, but I actually, because I wrote the trilogy, I was only able to query with the first book, which I did very widely. I probably queried 60 to 70 agents. Um, I got kind of close a couple times and every agent ended up saying no for that. Book. And that took me almost probably a year from start to finish. Um, but I don't look at it as time wasted. I mean, I was learning so much during that time and looking back, I totally see why that book, you know, wasn't ready to get published. It had a lot of work that needed, um, done on it. So then I wrote another book. And um, that one was probably written during like the last semester of my senior year, or I'd say my senior year. And that one, I ended up entering like a mentorship competition with, with an editor and we worked together on it. And then I queried based on like this little pitch showcase they did. And then thankfully with that book, I did get an agent. But because I didn't get an agent with the first book, I had to shelve the whole trilogy. So by the time I got an agent, it was with my fourth book, which, by the way, is not the Rosewood (laughs) Hunt.
1: Okay, let's back up a bit. So Mm -hmm. you're a senior in in college, and you're querying agents, and, and you got close
0: yeah i had thankfully i had we call it a request rate which is you know how many agents want to see more of your book. so because usually when you pitch it to them they only read like the first 10 or 15 pages so when they want to see more that tells you at least your pitch is pretty solid or maybe you're just good at marketing but um so i did have a few like good instances where they wanted to see the rest of the book but the rest of the book did not hold up.
1: What does kind of close mean when when with with an uh, an agent query? What does that mean
0: for to me? It just means that they liked it enough to want to read the whole thing. Okay. There are some agents that get hundreds of queries a week. So if you catch their eye and they like it enough, I even had an agent who had like asked me some questions, you know, for them to like talk to you at all, in my opinion means, okay, they're paying attention. They like see me, they, you know, might be excited about it. I had a couple agents when I would send them the full manuscript, they'd be like, oh, I'm so excited to read this. Thank you so much. And, you know, then I got a rejection, which is just the name of the
1: game. Do they know how old you are this time?
0: I'm not, I don't think I ever like disclosed it in my query or online, but I'm trying to think. No, I don't think they would have. They probably could have figured it out with like a very quick social media check, but um, not that I, you know, typically disclose it on social media either, but I don't think they did.
1: Do you think it would have hurt? you would it have helped you
0: I feel like back then I thought it would have hurt me now I don't think so because I feel like now it's becoming much more I don't know if it's normalized or maybe it's just more public because of social media but there are like quite a few people I know who are getting book deals even you know under 20 like early 20s under 20s um i i think still probably 18 and up but yeah so i don't think i think you know we're either we're in a different time now or just because of social media it's a little more transparent but back then i thought it would have hurt me but i don't i'm not
1: sure it would have you walked us through this process of traditional publishing before we get to your your you know your 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 triumph, uh, what's what do you, what's non traditional publishing? Uh, what do you mean by that? Is that an Amazon type thing?
0: So usually that would just be self publishing, which I think can be Amazon. It could just be there's you know smaller presses. I'll be honest, even I'm not sure where the line always is because. There are definitely smaller presses in traditional publishing as well. And then I know with self-publishing, there are also smaller presses. But I think usually the difference is, like, again, a big part is the agent where traditional publishing, you usually have to, you know, have them first before you can get on to (laughs) the next um, part. And I... I feel like people used to think about it as like, oh, if you're self-publishing, you do all your own marketing, um, you know, things like that. But in traditional publishing, a lot of us do a lot of our marketing as well. So I wouldn't say that's, you know, a hard and fast distinction.
1: Okay. All right. And I would think it would be a bit, it would be a faster process. I would think.
0: I think so. It it seems like I think self-publishing, you have a bit more control over your timeline. I actually just saw someone earlier today comment and say, "You know, I can put out five books in a year if I want to," and you know I can't. <laughs> like I'm I'm contracted for certain books and they have certain due dates and things like that. Um, and I think for some people, self-publishing, you have a lot more flexibility and freedom and you know, you write, I don't know if it's whatever you want, if you get to consult with kind of someone else as well, but I personally know with traditional publishing. I'm going through the process of the next book and it is like very collaborative and very, um, you know, hands-on with everybody, which is really cool to see, but it's definitely different. And I could totally see how, you know, it might not be cut out for everybody.
1: You're already moving on to your second book?
0: Yes. It feels like I'm cheating. Wow. On the Rosewood Hunt.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: But, yeah, I'm actually pretty much done with The Rosewood Hunt, but I'm in, you know, marketing mode for it, and now I'm in plotting mode for a different book, so it's very, uh, it's a new experience for sure, kind of juggling the two of them in my brain.
1: Okay. I- I'm going to reel us back to where we were. So, you, mm-hmm. you the Rosewood Hunt is not your first rodeo. Clearly, you were re- you were rejected from your by your trilogy. the The book that followed that you wrote, pretty much your senior year of college. What followed that?
0: So that was the book that got me my agent, and
1: then the the now, the senior year of college book.
0: Yeah, my uh fourth book your fourth book that one and that was my first young adult thriller so that one i kind of also had a learning curve because it was the first time i was writing like a mystery and then keep in mind that was also 2020 which was the pandemic and all of my like post-grad plans were up in smoke i thought i'm graduate have a job and you know everything will be great and instead we were all in work out of course So during that time, I kind of wrote more of a survival thriller. And that was book five. And I was writing it for me. And I just knew that it wasn't... As much as I liked it, I knew it wasn't going to make it. Especially if my current book, book four, wasn't making it. I was like, I know this book won't make it. And you just, like, have that feeling. So I never even showed that book to my agent. But it's funny because those characters might pop up later in a new book. So it wasn't until probably, I think, the beginning of 2021 that I started writing The Rosewood Hut, which made it my sixth.
1: Wow. So six bites at the apple before?
0: Before a good chomp, Yep.
1: To the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Let's say that doesn't happen. We'll, we'll raise some history here. We'll, we'll break out our sci-fi, go back, whatever. Right. This this uh, uh, virus doesn't attack the world, doesn't eat our reality, right, for, for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's a normal graduation. And you, what do you think you end up doing in terms of work?
0: I don't know. I was very, again, I was a communications and media major at the time. I was very, like, um, there were some jobs I was really interested in because I had a few internships I really enjoyed. So I do wonder a lot if, like, if I had had a job right then, would I have ever, you know, would it have taken so much of my concentration that writing would have gotten shoved to the back burner? Maybe. I do know I'm not sure I would have ended up writing The Rosewood Hut because I actually got the idea for a book in a writer's group I'm in, but we formed because of the pandemic. Like, wow, just kind of, you know, lonely. And then we were all talking in the chat one day and it, you know, the idea just kind of bloomed from there. So I do think about that a lot. I'm like, I mean, if I was never in this group, would I have never written this book? And also, The Rosewood Hut is... There's a lot of emphasis on loneliness and, I, and adventure. And during the pandemic, I think we were all kind of lonely. And I personally felt so starved for adventure. And I would walk every day past um, this like bunch of roses. And that was really like a huge motivator in building that world. So I don't know if I would have written it without the
1: pandemic. Where'd you intern?
0: I entered, I did quite a few. I entered at Five Magazine, which I loved, under Jane. I entered at Bishop Kearney, which is actually where I went to high school. And let's see, I had a couple of theirs. I'm trying to remember. I think I had ended up doing like four. But yeah, those are the two that stand out the most at the moment.
1: Okay, so I'm guessing Bishop Kearney was in their communications Department.
0: Yeah. It was actually like alumni relations, okay. but yeah.
1: And and uh, 585 magazine, you're probably writing, laying out pages, that kind of thing?
0: Yep, a lot of formatting. I did some editing stuff and actually I did a bunch of PR stuff, which was really fun. I remember going to like an Oak Hill event which you know, I had never been there before, um, because I think it was one of the years the PGA was here. So that was really cool. It was totally different than what I had done before.
1: I think odds are pretty good that if things are normal and we end up, you know, uh, sliding doors is the my overused metaphor, uh, where where yeah. uh, that uh, that perhaps this jaunt into into writing is delayed that you that the pandemic may have been a gift
0: i i completely agree and in some ways because i think it took that to unlock this book that i had always wanted to tell and i think it obviously you know thankfully connected with who it needed to to get it off the ground
1: Thanks for listening to all of the above. Let me know what you think wherever you're listening and do me a favor. Share it with a friend. You can follow my work at jamesbrowntv.substack.com. Pay subscribers to get access to bonuses, including 10 the Hard Way, our members only show. You can reach me at james at or jamesbrowntv at gmail.com. You can also leave me a message at 585-484-0339. We might have you on the show. I'm James Brown, and as always, be well.